Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Brian, and today is Tuesday, August 29th, 2023, and this is episode 507 of the Lots Project podcast, where we're defying norms and designing freedom. Today's episode is titled The Art of Home Brewing Tips and Techniques for the Perfect Cup, and it's brought to you by Food Forest Farms. Who else would be bought, uh, sponsoring a coffee episode? I, uh, I may have talked to Brian and worked that into the things, but anyway, uh, I'll be helping you up your coffee game today, but first we'll grab a cup of coffee, catch up with what's going on with everyone in the live chat, what's going on in our world have a little discussion, and then we'll dive into the topic in a little bit. How is everyone's morning? How's it going? I see Pip. Good morning, Pip and Gingerbread Farms in the in the live chat already, way early. Uh, looks like Gingerbread Farms packaging up some stuff for SRF. If, you, uh, if you're coming to SRF, we're going to have a pretty decent tent there from what it sounds like. Uh, lots of things to come and uh, check out, wide variety of products and uh, personalities to talk to. So, I'm excited. I'm ex I'm looking forward to being up there, uh, hanging out with lots community at the tent and uh, seeing new people, meeting new people and expanding community. Ah, mm, that is good. What are we drinking today? It is uh, FTO Blonde Espresso from Food Forest Farms, our sponsor today. Uh, every day having coffee from there, I would definitely not, uh, I prefer not to drink anything else at this point, for sure. It is uh, it is a fantastic uh, coffee, and I enjoy it every day. This FTO Blonde is uh, super smooth, and uh, enjoy it every month that I get it. But anyway, uh, Pip in the comments this morning says he got one heck of a sunrise going on down there in uh, in Florida. Got a storm coming. I saw that last night. You guys, uh, hurricane rolling in. Uh, might uh, tap on that a little bit here before we jump into the topic in the first 10 so ten or so minutes. Uh, saw some interesting stuff and uh, some interesting accusations on the whole uh, Florida hurricane thing. But I happened to drop over in the Telegram chat to uh, start the live feed. If you want to watch there, you're more than welcome. It's a lower bandwidth uh, version of the show. Uh, I do not track keep track of the comments over there. I don't have enough screens. Uh, and a screen room to have that up separate, and it doesn't feed into the main show. So ah, get there. We'll get there. Uh, Corey and I are actually looking at monitors for her for her work, uh, some separate monitors and things like that to make her job easier. And I think if we're spinning into that, maybe I will be able to uh, up my game a little bit and have some better viewing of my notes and things of that nature. So we will see. But Pip, uh, when I stopped over there in Telegram chat, he had dropped a picture of the sunrise, and uh, man, I had a second. So, uh, hey, check it out. Check it out. Let's see. Uh, see that Florida sunrise, and uh, looking nice. Looking nice. Uh, definitely a storm uh, Storm coming. Uh, what is that? Red in the morning, sailors take warning, and that looks pretty red to me. So, morning, Joseph Blakesley. How are we doing, Blakesley Acres? Hope you're having a good morning here on Tuesday, stopping in to talk coffee, I guess. Um, 
yeah, let's see. What do I have on my list uh, to, to kind of talk while we warm things up here? I get a little coffee in my brain so I can bring you the best show I can in the afternoon. In the afternoon. See? See right there. In the in the second half of the show. Oh, man. Let's see. Had an interview last night. The interview was uh, really fun. Dave Letterfly, man. What an interesting guy and what a what a fantastic, interesting life to talk about. Uh, man, when your dad lets you run away and join the circus for the summer when you're 16, uh, on the condition that you, uh, that you, um, that you return at the end of summer and finish grad and graduate high school, it, um, man, that starts out, that starts your life out. It's a pretty adventurous, uh, he did, he honored his promise, came home and uh, finished high school, but the rest you'll have to listen to the show. We did have some uh, technical issues. We had uh, internet issues on both ends of the stream, so that uh, that's always always fun to uh, deal with. But the story came through, and Dave also has a, a book already out. He has a book uh, coming out soon, and uh, two more in the works, already written, but uh, still in the process. So, man, Dave Letterfly turned 70 the other day, still out on the road seven months a year, pinstriping motorcycles, and... Uh, yeah, heck of a guy, heck of a guy. Caught up with him after the show, uh, after all the internet issues, was able to catch up through with him through email, and um, might be uh, might be hearing some more from Dave uh, down the road, and uh, some things that we might be able to work together with through the Lots Project, and uh, some things he's got going on. So, I was very excited to have him on the show, and uh, it didn't disappoint as far as the stories and the adventure. Good morning, K Bonk. How we doing? Thanks for swinging in this morning for uh, for another episode of the Lots Project podcast. Um, yeah, so that was last night. That was good. Uh, that ended a. Oh, excuse me for one second, guys. All right, that uh, that ended a huge long day yesterday. Um, Yesterday, I think I had five, five consults uh, of different nature. Uh, some were comfrey, some were just general, uh, general chat. Some were hip camp related and all sorts of stuff. But uh, the biggest thing and the and the the factor that tied it all together is its community and um, building that community, building that list of resources. I added uh, several things to my uh, to my kind of my Bible, my my golden book of contacts that I'm building uh, as I speak to people and talk to them and uh, and consult with them or sell them anything. Um, if they're a customer, a community member, or whatever, I talk to them and I can find a way that they can bring value to the community or the community can bring value to them. I like to uh, get that set up. I like to get that in the works. So. Chatting is the first step. Uh, I got to know you're out there and what you have going on before I can I can hook you up with some other people. Be that conduit for better business. Uh, but yesterday, five meetings. It's a haul, guys. Um, I am new to managing a calendar where other people can can uh, book meetings and things like that, and uh, that might get adjusted in the future. Uh, back to back to back and back to back. And then an interview at night is a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a day. It's a day for sure, especially when you're not used to it. And you, uh, you talk for an hour in the morning and the evening on top of it. So 
Um, the, the schedule might get thinned out a little bit, but definitely uh, looking forward to talking to as many people as I can uh, as it uh, as they come in. So that was great. That was great. Lots of um, lots of productive chat for sure. Uh, so today is the first day of a topic. Yesterday, yesterday was the first day of the rebrand, the kind of the relaunch, the shift in format, whatever, uh, whatever term makes sense. But uh, it was just um, a general overview of when I refer to systems of control, what I'm talking about, what I'm kind of referring to, the road I'm going down, the 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 thought process I'm going through. So that's what that was. Uh, if you didn't listen to it, I encourage you to go back and check it out. I hit five main topics, uh, five main topics in society, I guess, in our lives today that uh, that have some control over you, and and dove down those and where I recognize them, how I recognize them, and things, a few things I'm doing to mitigate those. So that was yesterday's episode. In a nutshell, it was uh, it was good. It was productive. I think it was a good. Um, kicking off point for the new format the new uh style of the show and it, it went well it went well i was happy so it'll take a little adjusting i think uh, there'll be some uh, there'll be some hiccups along the way i think uh i think the timing will be interesting to do uh i am not uh, by any means a professional broadcaster that's been on a uh, on a um outline time schedule by any means so uh yesterday happened to just work I think maybe I'm better at it than I thought or give myself credit for, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'll try to uh, try to make that outlined hit as uh, hit as close to that hour for the total show as possible. And uh, if it runs long, it runs long. If we got to dump off early, we dump off early, but uh, that's the goal. And man, yesterday I kind of nailed it. So I'm excited. I'm excited to move forward. Uh, the today, like I said, is the first, uh, the first general topic. And these are broad overview, man. The the number of, of um, episode topics that I'm going to have under these umbrellas is uh, is is endless. So um, I I picked seven. I don't know why it was seven. It was just what I had happened to write on my uh, on my board when I was brainstorming over a few days the topics I wanted to cover on the on the new show. It came up with seven. I started uh, explained yesterday just a random generator to uh, grab the topic and. Um, and they rotate through on a seven-day cycle, so you don't know what. Uh, it's not every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is the same subject. But my topics are right now: I got coffee, side hustles, Bitcoin, RV living and camping, self-sufficient living, content creation, and anarchism. And um, and uh, so those are the general broad view topics. Uh, I'm going to drill down specifically into each one of those. If you have any other topics that uh, that you would want me to consider, you're always welcome to email me or uh, or even so show subjects to fit in one of those topics. If there's something that you want to hear, uh, definitely shoot me a message, shoot me an email. Uh, I'm I'm available. Uh, I'm available to listen anytime. So I appreciate that. Um, Gingerbread Farms over in the comments says maybe it's easier than they portray because broadcasters aren't rocket surgeons. Um, I <laughs> There is that. Uh, they have it scrolling in front of them. That is uh, one key thing for them. Someone else writes it. It's rolling in front of their face and they just read it. Um, I think there is a rocket surgeon professionally making that in the background, knowing how long it's going to take. So 
there is that. There is that. I'm just uh, I'm just a, a dumb uh, a dumb blue collar guy that started a podcast and uh, putting outlines together for the first time. So there, <laughs> I uh, I got a, I got a little learning to do for sure. But anyway, um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's good. I think we can roll into that topic. I like this ten minutes, uh, ten to fifteen minutes in the morning. Like I said, to get some coffee in me. To get uh, to get some chat going in the in the live chat and uh, and talk about what's going on in life and that was one of my my favorite parts of the old format was uh, was that randomness the chat the day to day living type of stuff but I also felt that I wasn't bringing enough value so man forty five minutes of value every day is is what I'm shooting for five days a week so. If you uh, if you hadn't listened to the show before, I hope you hit subscribe and like. And uh, if you like it, re- leave a review. Otherwise, uh, if you listened before, and I hope you're still listening or you're listening again, give it a chance and uh, check out the new show format. So, hope you like it. Gingerbread says that wouldn't work for me because I can't read and talk at the same time. And that's very true. That's very true, depending on uh, what I'm reading and uh, if I know what I wrote. If I wrote it, it's a different thing than if I'm reading something somebody else wrote. So there is that. There is that. Anyway, let's roll into this second half. This, uh, this second half of the show is brought to you by Food Forest Farms. Food Forest Farms, they're not just a business. They're a mission-driven community dedicated to regenerative human service education, natural act, nature access, and affordable stays. Their journey is anything but ordinary, creating something truly unique. At Food Forest Farms, their extraordinary is the norm. They fuel their mission with diverse offerings from hand-roasted specialty coffees, which are fantastic, that'll bring you joy to your mornings and stunning jewelry and metal art pieces that'll add flair to your style. But that's not all. They also provide unique camping experiences through Hip Camp and Airbnb stays, perfect for adventure seekers. So whether you're a coffee enthusiast, a fan of unique crafts, or an adventurer at heart, Food Forest Farms has something special for you. You can find them at foodforestfarms.com, and you can always get 5% off anything at the site. That's jewelry, that's sculptures, that's art. Airbnb, hip camp stays, or coffee, 5% off anything on their site with discount code LOTS5. L-O-T-S-5 at checkout will get you 5% off. That even covers any of their educational events, their farm tours, their hip camp tours, anything of that nature. Lots 5, get you 5% off at foodforestfarms.com. Link is in the video description and audio description. I appreciate if you check them out and tell them the Lots Project sent you. And with that, let's get into coffee, guys. Let's get into tips and tricks for making that perfect cup, that perfect cup in the morning. I uh, I bang on people quite a bit about their coffee, <laughs> upping their coffee game, not, not just doing it because, uh, man, they can't open their eyes in the morning, but uh, because they can't open their eyes in the morning and they want to enjoy the beverage in their mouth. Um, it didn't, it didn't, I didn't realize, well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that my background let's let's hit my background real quick these tips and tricks this is going to be base base level um we're starting the show over we're we're not starting the show over changing the format up changing these segments up and i want to start from zero 
Uh, my goal here is to make each of these episodes a standalone product that can go out and uh, and and sit on its own. People learn something, whether they're experienced um, uh, hundred year coffee drinkers or they haven't even picked up a grinder and they're looking to learn to start. So I hope to bri uh, bring some some basic info, some a uh, little advanced, and maybe a tip or trick or uh, just nugget of information that uh, that anybody can learn from. So that is the goal. My background in coffee is uh, I started drinking it young. Uh, my dad was a coffee guy every morning before work, sit down, drink his coffee at the kitchen table. That kind of uh, habit, it, it, it grows on you. Um, and through college, uh, through bartending, I had um, through my 20s, I had multiple jobs, worked a lot of overnight shifts, drank a lot of coffee because I was drink working doubles and um and things of that nature it uh it's been a part of my life when i first moved to minnesota i was able to one of the the jobs i got when i first got here while i was looking for a good bartending job i found some mediocre ones um but i worked mornings at a caribou coffee uh caribou coffee offered free coffee university classes to their employees so i could get paid to go learn about coffee makes sense when you're working at a coffee shop when you're working at a coffee shop where their factory and their roasters and their production facility is uh you know less than 20 miles away it makes sense to have education available i took every class i could um did i learn as much as i should probably not it was a uh, it was a job i was in my 20s i uh, all i wanted to do was get paid and i learned something but, you know, I really could have learned a lot more. As I as I worked there, we got uh, we got free coffee as part of our compensation package. And um, so I drank decent coffee. I could tell the difference. I could tell the difference from Folgers to Caribou. Um, when I moved from that job, I uh, man, I was I was down and out. I've been through some uh, through some times and some ups and downs financially, for sure. Uh, and you know, coffee is expensive. And so I went away from the good coffee for, uh, quite a bit. And then fast forward to a few years ago, I, I uh, met a guy through uh, TSP community member that I reached out with for some, for some questions. Turns out this guy roasts coffee and, uh, man, he is, he's kind of specializes in what I like. My preference in a coffee is a light roast, light, light, um, you know, bright, high, higher caffeinated. If that's uh, that might be something you don't know is that, uh, you know, the lighter the roast, the more caffeine. So there is that uh, something to learn, something to ask questions and explore more later. That's not a uh, that's not a topic in this episode, but I'm a light roast guy. Brian does a fantastic job of light roast uh, with his air roaster be another segment we go uh we go down uh in the coffee in the coffee world is uh the difference in roasters but that's not today either but i hooked up with brian brian uh, started sending me some coffee he uh he showed me that he had a coffee club where i could monthly get coffee at a at a stupid cheap price for what it was and man he blew caribou out of the water he blew the doors off caribou's car it was fantastic I signed up uh, probably, I think I had some, one month worth, and said, yep, sign me up, and I've been a member ever since. It, it's, it's fantastic to be able to start my day that way. So 
you know, I'll talk more about that. I'll talk more about that in the coffee topics. But today, today is tips and tricks for getting that perfect cup. And, you know, so I, I wanted to touch on three different main areas. I want to touch on beans, um, grind, and brewing methods. So we're going to go through, I'm going to, I'm going to give you uh, a little overview on coffee beans and uh, where they come from and what kinds there are. And, uh, and we'll dive into that. Then we'll talk about grind size and how that affects your brewing and, uh, and the brewing method you use. So first things first, when you get some coffee, you need to, you need to pick some beans. You go to the store, you're going to see, uh, likely you're going to see two, one of two types. You're going to see an Arabica bean. You're going to see a Robusta bean. They are the mainstays in the coffee market. Arabica beans make up 60% of the coffee market. Robusta beans, they estimate 40%, but 60 and 40 is 100. There are some others out there. I'm going to talk about one here in a second that you might not have heard about. But it's a shout out to one of our longtime community members, and I had to include it when I saw it on the list, even though it's down there at a merely little 2% of the coffee market. But back to the beginning, we'll start with the A's Arabica. Arabica beans are 60% of the market. They tend to have a sweet, soft taste uh, with hints of sugar, fruit, berries. They're your lighter, your lighter, your higher end coffees. They're going to have a more delicate taste. There's going to be more. Um, there's going to be more play there for the roaster. Uh, uh, more defined and delicate flavors for a roaster to bring out. Uh, roast master that knows what he's doing. At least uh, these are going to be your higher end coffees, like uh, your Food Forest Farms, um, even your Starbucks, Caribou's, um, um, things of that nature. They're a more delicate plant. Uh, harder to grow and more specific conditions, thus more expensive and higher quality. Let's see what we got going on. Um, <coughs> sorry, sorry, my uh, my notes kind of went all spazzy there for a second. Anyway, you're going to find these in uh, in specific altitudes and specific growing conditions, and all coffee is going to be in the coffee belt. I believe it was from 20 degrees latitude north to 30 degrees latitude south uh north and south of the equator i think those are the numbers i didn't jot them down but there's a coffee belt around the world and if you can picture that belt there's not a whole lot of places to grow in that area um arabicas you're going to mainly find in brazil ethiopia colombia honduras peru um those are the top producing arabica countries if those names sound familiar, I tell you what I'm drinking every morning. I will most likely have a light roast Colombian, a light roast Ethiopian, a Honduran, a Peruvian. They all sound familiar because those are the beans that Brian uses. They're not the only beans Brian uses, but you have to start with a quality product to get a quality product. Arabica, fantastic. Love them. 60%. There's a reason it's more than half the beans produced. Let's move on to Robusta. Robusta, like its name, is a more robust coffee. It's a stronger coffee plant. It's a coffee plant that can grow in less than ideal conditions. It's still going to be in that coffee belt, but it's it has some more play. But 
as Jack Spierko says, with dual purpose chickens, dual purpose this, dual purpose that. Something that's dual purpose isn't good at anything. So if it's easier to grow and it's a stronger plant, what do you think the quality did? The quality of the beans went down. This is going to be your strong flavor, your uh, your bolder coffee with that earthy, nutty aftertaste. If you drink some coffee and you're like, whoa, man, your McDonald's coffee, your Dunkin' Donuts. I don't know. Dunkin' might use Arabica and even uh, even in McDonald's might. But your brick, your Folgers, your things of that nature. When you taste that difference, when you when you taste the difference, when you have, uh, say, a Starbucks. Eh, I don't like Starbucks. It tastes burnt. That's not a good example. A good light roast coffee, the, uh, a decent roaster roasted, if you taste that and then you taste a Robusta, the 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 difference is, is striking regardless of the brewer, I think, um, in my opinion, from my, from my um, coffee drinking experience and all the time I spent in gas stations, uh, a lot of the gas station coffee before they kind of moved on to... Uh, moved on to some specialties i think were robusta um like i said it makes up 40 or 38 percent of the the market you're going to find these in uh africa where you can't get the altitude or the growing conditions to grow uh arabica um one little uh one little note i'll bring up later is how uh how these came about but uh, you're looking africa indonesia it's a cheaper coffee it's a more reliable crop. There's less crop failure. There's more crop. It's it's uh, it's going to be your your quote unquote um, your generic, your mass produced coffee. That's robusto. One more, uh, one more, and you probably haven't heard of this. I'm guessing if you're in coffee, you've heard arabica, you've heard robusta. Have you heard of liberica? Liberica makes 2% of the coffee produced in the world. Uh, it's got a woody, dark, um, uh, thick flavor, similar to that Robusta. Uh, it's a bit rarer. And the reason I'm mentioning it today is to bring a little extra value to the show. But uh, I want to shout out Philippine Nomad, Mike Philippine Nomad, one of our OG Lots Project peeps uh, over there in the Philippines. Because Liberica, mainly grown in Malaysia, the Philippines, uh, the areas there, not a lot of room to grow, so thus not a lot of production. Um, they were they're primarily grown, like I said, Malaysia, Philippines, Indonesia, but it has its origins in Africa. Do you notice the name Liberica? Yeah, it was developed in Liberia in the 1700s. It didn't, um, and it didn't, be, it didn't really become a, a key crop until the late 19th century when coffee rust disease wiped out most of the Arabica plants in the region. Um, the Liberica survived, and then it was introduced into Indonesia after the problems with coffee rust there. Liberica made its way to Malaysia with Javanese immigrants. Uh, it came from Africa to, to, the, to the Philippines, Malaysia, that region, when they needed a stronger, more viable plant to to outcompete the coffee rust disease. There you go. It's making it's it's growing. It's growing. It's uh it's um it's definitely a different taste. 
it's uh it's a preferred taste in that region uh, definitely by the older generations the youngers are kind of going away from it so it's a uh, it's a uh, it's up in the air whether the liberica will grow or uh, or kind of peter out with the generations as they pass those are the, the the three i guess two main types and a little bonus type of beans there uh with that let's move on to grind size so my suggestion in that first is pick some arabica beans whatever you do if you can find Arabica beans, pick that, pick that. As we move on to grind size, um, man, grind size really uh, uh, affects the taste of your coffee. And the way that does that, you got to think of it. You got a coffee bean, um, you grind it, you grind it. What you're basically doing is breaking it into smaller pieces. If you know anything about surface area, you know anything about... Um, about breaking big pieces into small pieces and how much it multiplies the surface area, how much that allows the, the water that you're brewing with to absorb into that, take the coffee from the bean and distribute it into the glass, into the cup, into your mouth. The amount of water that gets absorbed into that bean is going to directly affect how strong it is, the taste of it, the characteristics of it. It's going to bring out more or less of what the roaster intended, depending on your brew method and the grind size. So let's take a look at it. Here's how the math works. Big grind, big coarse pieces. Think like um, uh, sea salt, like a big rock sea salt, all the way down to an extra fine grind that you're gonna think is like powder. So you're gonna take your coffee bean, extra large grind is gonna be a sea salt, large grind is gonna be like a coarse salt, a coarse grind is gonna be more like sand, medium is gonna be um, like a, a, reg a regular play sand, fine grind is gonna be even finer, and then that extra fine is gonna be like powder. The finer the grind, the more the water absorbs and 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 takes on the flavor of the coffee so you're going to look at this like we're going to match this with our brewing method i'm going to talk about brewing methods in a in a minute here but um you know espresso machines are fast you go into a coffee shop you hear it it pushes the water through the coffee super fast super concentrated and you're going to need an extra fine grind the faster the water is going to go through, the quicker you need it to absorb and push through, giving it a unique taste. The problem is if you use an, a too fine of grind when you have a long seeping period, a long time when that water sits in that coffee, you're going to, you're going to get super strong, super bitter, it's going to take more of the, the flavors out of those beans and extract it into the water. Conversely, if you have a super coarse grind and you're running the water through it very, very fast, you're going to end up with a weaker, um, uh, a more bitter, uh, um, uh, like, uh, let's see, sour-ish. Um, it, it just, it's, it, it tastes like a super weak cup of coffee. You could have the best beans in the world, but if you run a coarse grind in an espresso machine with the best beans in the world, it's still going to taste like crap. Well, like crap, unless that's what you like. That's what you like. 
So the grinds are, like I said, extra coarse all the way to extra fine. You're going to pick your brew method, and then we're going to circle back to, to the grinds and explain how they work with them. All right. All right. So we're going to get our beans. We're going to get a grinder. We're going to grind our beans fresh. Tip number one, a number one tip, make it easy no matter what you're doing. I guess if you're drinking Folgers, you can't do this. I don't think Folgers sold, sells whole bean coffee anymore. If you can manage it and you can get yourself whole bean coffee, you can, if you can grind your coffee immediately prior to brewing it, or at least within 12 hours, if you have to set your coffee up the night before because you need it to go off in the morning, you got to grind it when you're going to make it. But if you can grind your coffee immediately before producing it, setting it up, whatever you want to do, it's going to improve your coffee game 100%. Once you grind that bean, every second it's losing flavor. It's losing freshness. It's dissipating oils into the air. It's dissipating. It's it. It's losing flavor. It's going stale. It's off-gassing. That's it's just what they do. When you grind coffee and you smell the coffee, that is that is the the that is the bean losing flavor. That is the bean losing oils. That is the bean not being as fresh and good. And it just keeps going until it gets brewed. So think about when you open a fresh uh, fresh bag of beans and you, you hit that grinder. I can grind mine. I love just feeling those beans explode in the morning as I'm, as I'm making my French press, as I'm grinding that by hand. I can feel those beans just bursting and and releasing that aroma into my nose. I know that's as fresh as it's going to be. I literally grind my beans as the water's heating up. I finish grinding normally within 30 seconds of my water getting to temperature, and it goes into my French press. I don't lose very much, uh, very much flavor at that point, so... Tip of the day, uh, definitely, definitely, um, definitely grind your beans prior to brewing. That's going to, that's going to improve your game 100%, no matter what beans you're, you're getting. And the fact that you're being able to get them in whole bean form is, uh, is going to help too. It's just going to be a higher quality product. Um, we'll go down the road of stale folders and things like that another time. But uh, right now, I want to talk about uh, talk about brewing methods, how you can brew your coffee. Um, there's different ways. I don't necessarily think one of these on the list is better than the other. It's all personal preference. It's all um, what you have. There's pros and cons to all of them, and um, and there's different tastes that come from all of them. So let's hit them real quick. Uh, French press. French press is the one I prefer. I use it every day. There it is. You can see it if you're on the video. Uh, the Mueller stainless steel French press. By the way, blog post, there is a link to every product that I use. Every product, coffee product I use. Uh, the hand grinder I use. The electric grinder I recommend. The French press I use. Uh, and I believe there's a link for an item of the day in uh, the blog post that uh, 
that's for the Jetboil and uh, Stanley Brewing Press that I use. So it's all there. It's all there. I do have a pour over and a siphon method um, brewer that I haven't really dug into yet. I started messing around with pour over uh, and uh, we'll talk about pour overs here in a second. Uh, the siphon, I have not had a chance to uh, to uh, tinker with that enough. It's uh, interesting and I'm excited to explore it. And it might be a different episode of uh, of this show going forward. But let's hit the French press. French press is basically a, uh, a seeping pot with a screen. Uh, the, the motions you're going to go through is you're going to grind your coffee. You're going to, you're going to heat your water up. Uh, the best temperature, 190 ish, give or take, uh, man, I don't have a thermometer out in the morning. Uh, it does affect the taste of the coffee, but I've gotten into a groove of, uh, of boiling the water in a teapot, turning it off, flipping the lid open, finishing my, uh, my, um, processing of my beans and, and letting it rock. So, uh, my, my temperature will cool down. It'll, um, it'll make, it, it makes a good cup. It makes a good cup. So boil it, let it sit, pour it high through the air. It'll cool off in the air as it, uh, as it splashes with my French press. I, I add some water to the bottom of the press before I dump my grounds in, I'll put my grounds in and then I'll high pour that water. Uh, so it, it, it really, um, it really soaks those grinds. Fill up the French press, put the lid in with the plunger out, which puts the screen all the way up to the top. And then you set a timer for four minutes. Right around four minutes is the is the magic number. Uh, let that timer go off. Slowly depress that plunger down. The screen pushes all the screen on the inside. I can't take it apart right now. It's full of coffee. But the screen um, that pushes down, it's a in this one, it's a it's a triple screen, I believe. And it pushes all the grinds to the bottom while allowing the, the coffee liquid to come up through the screen and it traps all the grounds at the bottom. You enjoy your cup and then you clean out the grounds in the bottom. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Uh, makes a great, uh, makes a great cup. Um, one, um, one thing, the, the pros of these, you have complete control over your coffee. The strength, the the brew time, like the longer you brew, like I was talking about with grind size, the longer that coffee, the water sits with the beans, the more bitter it gets, the stronger it gets. The less time, the more, the lighter, the weaker, the more sour and light tasting it is. So with your French press, you could set a three minute timer. You could set a five minute timer. Ideally, you're going to use a big coarse grind because it's going to sit for four minutes. The, the finer you grind in your French press, the more absorption you're going to get. You see how it works? Each different brewing method, it has an ideal grind size that is a standard. And then personally, you can adjust that up and down with grind size and time to really dial in what you want. And if you pay attention to it and you really evaluate what the coffee tastes like after you brew it a certain way and you notate that, you can make it the same way every day. Or you can mess around and try to make a flavor profile that you like using different beans, different roasts, different time, different grind. It's a it's it's a myriad of different ways to make your perfect cup because it's all about your taste buds. I can't taste for you. All I know is upping the quality of your beans, grinding it before you use it, 
and messing around to get your ideal flavor using grind size and brewing method and time is a way to dial in what you like. You're not going to do that with a with a can of Folgers. Um, let's see, let's see. Corsica, uh, K-Bonk's wondering about Cors Corsica beans. Not on the list today. They are under 2% of the, the, the worldwide bean production. So, um, yeah, they didn't make the list. I was, uh, I was just going to go with Arabica and, uh, Robusta, but I saw the, I saw the Liberica in there and the, the tide of the Philippines. So I thought that I would bring that around. Uh, another brewing method you can use is very popular. It's very popular with the GSD crews. Uh, people that uh, get up early, go to work, and they want that coffee brewed when they we walk into the kitchen when they're ready to go. Drip brew. Oh, sorry. Pros on that French press are uh, you can really control the strength of your brew. Uh, it's really low tech. Basically, if you can get some hot water and a way to grind your beans, you can do it. Cons. Grind size. It can be tricky to get what you want. Um you have to adjust your grinder. You're going to play around with it. You're probably going to screw some up. You're going to shoot coffee across the wall or across the room, or you're not going to be able to push that plunger down because it's too fine, things of that nature. Um, and uh, yeah, so you just have to dial it in. So first time French press, don't be surprised if it tastes a little weird. Give it some time, play with it, adjust it, and see what you can do. Drip brew. <coughs> like I said, this is for, uh, this is a big, uh, this is a bigger, uh, probably most used brewing uh, brewing method by uh, the, the crowd here, uh, if you're not uh, running French press or a pour over. Um, but drip brew, Mr. Coffee, man. It's, uh, it's Mr. Coffee. Basically, you grind your coffee, you put it in a basket, has, a, has a, some form of a water reservoir that heats the water, drips, drip brew, drips the water into the coffee, saturates the the bean or the grinds and then it drops into a carafe usually heated carafe sometimes no yes whatever you've seen a coffee maker you've seen a mr coffee um man it, it's um the pros for this it's super easy super easy lots of them have timers lots of them have uh, alarms lots they have the clock on them they will stay hot for a long time uh Mm, is that the best for your coffee? Mm, yeah, no. Um, man, get it in a craft, drink it up, uh, make enough that you're going to drink it relatively soon. When it sits and burns, when it sits and hits and, and sits in that heat all the time. Eh, yeah. Um, I mean, those are the, 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 the pros of drip brewing. We've all done it. You know, usually you got a paper filter or uh, or a metal filter in there. You just change the filter, pull the filter out with the ground, throw it out in the compost. Uh, definitely use your compost in your in your grinds in your uh, in your. Definitely use your spent grounds in your compost or worm bed or anything of that nature. They're great. Uh, they're great for that. Um, <laughs> Gingerbread says Ronco said it and forget it. Basically. Uh, Mr. Coffee, set it and forget it. Uh, Bun, set it and forget it. There's a million different kinds. Uh, that's drip brew. We're, we're pretty familiar with it. I think I can move on. Uh, cons, sorry, cons of that drip brew are there's really no control. Um, the flavor is what it is. Uh, it's going to be, you can add more coffee, I guess. Get a little stronger, a little weaker. Um, but as far as... Um, 
as far as brew time and things, things of that nature. If you mess around with grind size too much, you might overflow your uh, overflow your over overflow that um, the brewing basket things of that, things like that. So it's pretty straightforward. It's going to make probably a consistent cup, but if uh, if if you want to uh, to dial in, if you want to mess around with flavors, I that's not the ideal method at all. I know plenty of people that use the drip brew during the week and a French press on the weekends. Um, cool. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, third brewing method that you're going to want to use. Oh, drip brew, by the way, you're going to want to use a medium grind. Uh, French press, I think I messaged you're going to want to use a coarse grind. Uh, now we're going to move on to the other extreme, the espresso machine. You can get a home espresso machine. Um, basically, what happens is um, you pack your coffee grounds. You're going to go super fine, like uh, like that powder or very fine sand. You're going to pack it into a puck. The, the machine is then going to force hot water through that. Uh, going back to the science of the finer the grind, the less time it needs in the coffee to get the same taste. Uh, this is a, a more a stronger, uh, it packs a lot of ground, a lot of production from the grounds into a very small cup. Um, it's a, uh, so like I said, high pressure water through very finely ground coffee. Result, small, super concentrated coffee and usually a top layer of cream on the top, crema on the top. Uh, it's that little uh, light brown foam on the top of an espresso. Um, espresso is not my thing. It usually comes um, as a stronger, uh, uh, thicker almost tasting to me. Uh, I, it's, it's just not my thing. I like the lighter, um, even on the lighter end of the four minutes and the, the coarser grind in, I grind my French press as coarse as I can and let it seep four minutes at the most. If I let it go five, six minutes, I can definitely tell the difference in my flavor profile. Um, espresso is just not my thing. Plus super expensive machines take, uh, some infrastructure. I'm not going to carry an espresso machine around on the road. So it's a good thing I don't like it that much. Um, some pros of the espresso, it serves uh, as the base of a lot of coffee drinks. So when you're drinking your lattes and your cappuccinos and things like that at a Caribou or Starbucks or uh, wherever you're getting your coffee drinks, likely the base of that is an espresso. Uh, it makes that strong, strong flavor. And then you can add your milk to it, your froth to it, your flavors to it. And it holds up well. Um, you're not going to want to put a French press coffee in the bottom of a latte. It just, it just doesn't, uh, it's not what, how it's supposed to be made. Um, so that's, um, that's one of the thing it, it really, you can, you can, um, you can, you can tell that, that flavor. And it's also the quickest method you're going to make coffee after you figured it out. And that's one of the cons is there's a very steep learning curve to getting your perfect shot. You're going to need to perfect the grind. You're going to need to protect the, um, you're going to need to per, or, um, perfect the amount of coffee you're putting into your espresso. Um, oh man, I, I been a long time since I worked at Caribou. Uh, I can't remember the name of the handle. 
there was a specific name for it, but you're going to uh, need to be very consistent in the amount of, of uh, grinds you put in. You're going to need to tamp it, uh, which means pack it down to the right consistency, very, very consistent. Um, and that's, that's the rub. That's the con is you need to learn it. You need to play with it. You're going to mess it up. You're going to have to clean it. Um, but once you figure it out and once you get the hang of it, it is the quickest method. It is the fastest. Um, another con is the machines are expensive. It's expensive. It's expensive for a coffee maker. Man, when I, last time I looked at drip views, I was like, holy crap. Uh, they're kind of expensive too. And uh, I, I am glad I just, I roll with the, uh, I roll with the French press. I bought this uh, Mueller stainless steel French press uh, three or four years ago, I think. And I use it every day, every day, no problem. So there is that. Um, espresso machine. I don't have much experience with them other than a commercial, uh, a commercial setting. Uh, I was, uh, I, 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 uh, I feel I was a very good barista at Caribou when I was there. I, I was never, I was rarely put on the register and I was often put on the espresso machine. So I think I, I knew what I was doing. Uh, at this point, nah, I, I, I've moved away from espresso myself. Um, and one more, one more that, um, <laughs> one more that I, I want to hit before I wrap up brewing methods. It's one that I've started to mess around with. And uh, I'm going to experiment more. I think, think it's going to be a lot on the weekends. And I'm going to try it. Uh, is a pour over. Uh, I've, I feel that it's similar to a French press. Um, but to brew with this method, basically, you're going to take a medium fine grind. Uh, so a little finer than uh, the French press. You're going to take a, it's a, it's a conical glass carafe. Basically, if you're looking at the screen, it's got a big bubble at the bottom and it necks down in the middle and there's a cone at the top. So they make cone shaped filters that you put in the top. You put your coffee in, you heat your water, and then you slowly saturate the grounds. So the difference between the French press is you put the grounds in, you fill the water up, you let it sit. A pour over, you take the water and you slowly saturate the grinds. You're letting it drip through the, the coffee naturally, through the coffee, through the filter, into the bottom carafe. As the water dissipates through, you add more. You add pressure to the top. You add more water. You add more seeping time. You add more coffee in the bottom. It's definitely a more attentive, intimate way to make coffee. It's um, you're very involved in the whole process more than uh, more than a French press, even more than an espresso machine. You're controlling the rate of flow of water through your um, you're controlling the amount of coffee in the filter. And it's it's just the most intimate and um, and time consuming on that way to brew your coffee. I have yet to explore it very much. I'm I really love my French press, so uh, it's it's not a big motive of mine to to learn a new method. But I have I have one. I, like I said, I have that and a siphon brewer that I'm going to mess around with and get some video of uh, as the water or as the as the temperature cools down and I can be outside doing it in an enjoyable temperature here. Um, I'm excited to do that. 
the pour over is uh, again a low tech just like that uh that french press basically you need a filter a way to filter those grounds and a way to uh to uh, pour water in the top you pour it over and you let it go in thus the name pour over um and uh, so the pros of this it's uh you can really play with the subtle flavors of your beans you're getting really um benefit from spending the extra morning on quality beans on a quality roaster um and and getting that you're able to maximize your flavor profile i've accomplished that with my french press i'm excited to mess around with pour over and and experiment with new methods um you really get a clean cup of coffee at that point some of the the cons of that it requires more time like i said you're involved in every aspect it's not a set it forget it it's not a drip through it's not a french press where you pour it in and let it sit it's even more than that espresso machine that once you hit go it does its thing you are continually involved in the process from the beginning to the end with that pour over so if you have the time awesome but in my in my world during the week at least pour over just doesn't hit um it's not uh it's not what uh i'm looking for so yeah it is um gingerbread says uh pro is the collapsible cone fits in rv storage yeah uh i have i don't have a collapsible uh um collapsible pour over cone i uh, i have a glass one and i i found a way to store it i also have a big old um I have a big old siphon brewer that's still in the box up in my cupboard uh, that I made room for just so I can play around with it. It seems like a very cool way to brew coffee. I have yet to uh, to dive into it too much, and it wasn't even on this list that I made here. So again, uh, just to recap what we talked about, uh, you know, beans flavor, bean type, Arabica Robusta, uh, the grind size is super important, anywhere from extra coarse to extra fine starting with that uh, that big sea salt, that chunk sea salt, all the way down to a powder. And then our, our four brewing methods, French press, drip brew, espresso, pour over. Um, and that's kind of it, guys, from basic coffee. I think the big takeaways, the tips you're going to want to focus on to immediately change the flavor of your coffee is grind it. Well, buy whole bean coffee, number one. Buy whole bean coffee. If you can afford it, buy it from a small micro batch roaster. If you can find air roasted and clean stream air roasted, these are things I'll talk about in the future of this show, but find that roaster. Make a really have a relationship with your roaster, man. Like uh, you're drinking this product every day. It's a big part of your life. Why not make it the best you can? Buy whole beans, grind it before you brew it as close to brewing as you can. Every second that you've ground that coffee, it's losing flavor. It's losing its oils. It's losing its aroma. Grind it and brew it immediately. And uh, three is mess around with things. Get into a get into a place with a French press, a pour over, even a drip brew, where you can mess around with different flavor profiles. Find out what's right for you. Maybe you like a ro light roast. Maybe you like a dark roast. Brian at Food Forest Farms is amazing at asking you where you grew up, asking you where you learned to about coffee, where you started drinking coffee, where you currently live. The man is amazing taking information from you and will tell you what kind of 
coffee you're going to like. And I thought that was pretty pretentious. I was like, no way. Until I watched him do it over and over and over. He has the knowledge and the experience to know what regional flavors people like most. What people like in the Northeast. What people like in the Midwest. What people like in the Pacific Northwest. Let him know what you like. Let him know where you're from. Let him know what you think you like. And give him a shot, man. 5% off at, at uh, Food Forest Farms with Lots 5. Man, if you email Brian, if you go over to Lots, or uh, go over to foodforestfarms.com, email Brian, tell him that you heard about this show, you heard him sponsor the show, and you'll see what happens. You'll see what happens. If you don't want to do that, you don't want to go through the extra steps of emailing him and uh, maybe setting up a private, um, uh, you know, a private shipment out of um, of coffee to explore your flavor profiles, explore what you want. Use Lots 5. Use L-O-T-S 5. Just go order whatever you want and get 5% off. I'm just saying, make contact with a real human that's going to make your coffee and you might benefit a little bit from it. So with that, guys, that is, uh, that is the art of homebrewing. Not a ton of tips, but a lot of information on the basics of coffee. As I move forward with the coffee subject, every once every seven days, we'll dive into different things. We'll dive into uh, to coffee rust disease. That was something I was uh, reading about yesterday. And the evolution of Arabica beans, the evolution of Robusta beans and Liberica beans, where they come from, the conditions they grow in educating you on the products you use and you don't even know you should be educated you don't even know there's a whole world out there to learn about coffee you just see it in the in the office break room and you pick up a cup let's up that game guys let's up that game um uh, <laughs> james says i'll talk i'll talk you off the cliff <laughs> Oh, Brian, uh, Food Forest Farms will talk you off the cliff. Brian, yeah, Brian is uh, Brian's a great guy. He's an interesting character, and I always enjoy all my interactions with him. Uh, definitely check him out at foodforestfarms.com. Like I said, he was the sponsor for today. Oh, uh, man, you guys can join me tomorrow. This has been another. Oh, man, I'm going to wrap it up here. <laughs> it's been a long one. <coughs> um, tomorrow, we'll be uh, having another great episode uh, in this new format in this new uh new set of topics tomorrow we're going to look at side hustles and uh, dip into the the very beginning i'm taking these first seven episodes uh to to really touch on the basics but tomorrow we're going to do a balancing act juggling a day job and a side hustle we're going to dive into um man avoiding getting burning burned out avoiding hating your life because you started a side hustle and uh, some tips along the way a how to balance uh, having that J-O-B and the side hustle, whether that's just a, a long-term side hustle or uh, something that you want to make into a uh, make into a full um, job, full career transition and be your own boss. So tune in for that tomorrow. And uh, guys, if you enjoyed the show today, please consider sharing it with others. You can find it at thelotsproject.com or on Noster Telegram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Rumble, and Instagram. Be sure to listen on one of your favorite podcasts, 2.0 Value for Value podcast players like Podverse or Fountain.fm. Make it a great day, guys. I hope you're enjoying the new format. Let me know. Reach out. Email me. Talk to me. 
uh, contact me anyway. Let me know if you like it, you hate it, uh, improvements or changes you would like to see. Give it a chance, evaluate it, and let me know, guys. We will catch up with you with another episode tomorrow.